You're listening to The Self-Worth Circle, hosted by Julie Haxel and Eva Eslander. We are here to remind you to raise your self-worth and wear your invisible crown. It's time. Okay. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Self-Worth Circle. I am today doing a solo episode with a very, very inspiring human being that I've met actually through Instagram. <laughs> the beauty of Instagram. Um, she is Catherine Björksten and she's a spiritual guide for transformation and awakening. She also has a book coming up in August 2020. So we'll talk more about that. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you, Julia. It's so lovely happy to, to be here on your podcast. Thanks yeah. for inviting me. How are you today? I'm good. It's an interesting uh, fact that we just noticed uh, when we were organizing this that today is the 5th of June and it is a full moon and it is a lunar eclipse as well. <laughs> and we're in the midst of this whole unfolding in the world and it's, it's fascinating times. And what I'm realizing is more than ever, we just need to really sort of dig deep and find ways to stay grounded right now. Right. It's a very, very, very interesting time to be alive at the moment. Um, and yeah. But should we just start with uh, maybe a little bit deeper introduction of who you are, what you do, and yeah, share your background, your story? Sure. So, um, as you mentioned, I work with spiritual awakening. That is the main kind of, that would be the core of, of my offering and my life's work really. And, and it's interesting because when we work in, in certain realms and, and when our spiritual path is also our kind of like work path, you can't really separate the two. And that has been really evident for me. And sometimes it's, it's fantastic and sometimes it's really difficult. <laughs> So, um, yeah, what's, you know, like my background is marketing, advertising, um, and I wasn't really into spirituality at all until about, probably was more than I knew, but it really hit me in 2015 pretty harshly. Um, and yeah, 14, 15, uh, when a lot of what I thought what was um, my life kind of started coming crumbling down. Um, and so, you know, like most people will go through an awakening when something really hits them that they can't avoid anymore. And that's usually a, a good kind of indication that we're called to step into another dimension of ourself. Um, and as you and I discussed, I also believe very much in multidimensionality in, in, in the sense that, you know, we have a human body, we have a physical body, and that's an, one expression of who we are. And then we have other bodies, so to speak. So we have our mental body, our emotional body, and also then all our energetic bodies. So our human expression is one facet of our experience. And I think when we kind of are called into a spiritual awakening, that's really what's what's in front of us. It needs to be that big that we start trying to question our reality and who we are. So what often happens is that at that point in time, we need to reevaluate 
everything that's going on in our life, relationships, work, environment, um, you know, all the different kind of um, verticals that we have in our life that we identify with and who we kind of show the world that we are. So for me, it was, you know, one big blast was, yeah, I would say end of 2014, beginning of 2015. And uh, the form that it took was that um, for me, it was, it was my marriage that, that crumbled and I had two young children. Um, but, you know, that's only one manifestation of a much bigger thing. And that was what called my attention. So I went on to uh, do a vision quest, which is um, a rite of passage in the Native American tradition, where usually it would be um, a, the transition from like boyhood to manhood. Uh, so somebody would go out into the wild held by the village so that they would go and receive a vision of who they are in the tribe. And you wouldn't have any water, any shelter, any food. I did that with a tent and some water, but no food. Um, and that for me was like a massive kind of like catalytic moment. And then I worked with plant medicine at the end of this vision quest that opened up my consciousness even more. And it kind of, around that time, I already was, you know, interested in psychology and human behavior. I always was interested in like, why do we do what we do? And then I went from more the emotional understanding of who we are into the spiritual understanding, the greater picture. Cause I've always had this feeling and knowing that everything happens as part of a bigger plan. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like what, took me into what I'm doing today. And um, I studied at a place called the Holistic Healing College in London. And from there, then I started my own practice. I started working in different places at the College of Psychic Studies in London and various other things and started doing retreats in Glastonbury and traveled a lot to Peru. And Peru has been a huge part of my journey. And I'm very grateful to the people that led me onto that path and who supported me there. So that's very condensed yeah. version of what brought me <laughs> to wow. what I'm doing today. Wow. Did you do your, uh, the wish, vision, vision quest in Peru also? No, it was in the Pyrenees on the Spanish side. And it's funny because it happened to be, I learned later that it was, it's part of the Camino de Santiago which is a kind of quite known pilgrimage. Um, and it's a pilgrimage that has a lot to do with forgiveness. And somehow the first point that I was on was pretty much on that path. So that was quite interesting. Wow. This sounds like, I, I also read your story online on your web webpage web this morning. And it's like such a beautiful and also just the honest, raw uh, kind of script of who you are and how you came to be and to do what you are like what you do and um, yeah but you do soul plan readings awakening mentoring and alchemical healing journeys and other stuff also would you want to describe a little bit what happens during one of these sessions with you and yeah yeah sure Cool. So the soul plan is one of the modalities that I studied when I did the spiritual counseling diploma that I mentioned. Um, it's a modality like, you know, um, astrology or any other modalities that we get insights into our life path. 
So the soul plan that I work with is based on your birth name and your birth name can give you information as to your challenges, your talents, your goals, and your soul destiny. Because our names hold a frequency, like every single time it's spoken, it resonates, it has a vibration, and that's what kind of holds our soul path in a way. And I believe very much um, that our soul path is, you know, we have already decided before we arrive on earth as spirits, who we're going to choose as a family, what are the lessons that we are here to learn, and we orchestrate all of that around what we've come here to learn. So I see the journey on earth as a massive school, basically. And um, no matter who you're with, where you live, what you work with, you will eventually go through the lesson that is gonna teach you whatever you've come here to assimilate. The more we resist it, the more painful it becomes. (laughs) So that's why I believe that the more consciously we approach life, even though sometimes it's more painful because it requires a level of honesty that, you know, we sometimes resist as humans, we'd rather avoid it. And we also live in a society that is super well designed for avoidance. Like, you know, there's distraction everywhere in the modern Western world from, you know, um, the dating app culture to shopping online to social media. I mean, we can like avoid ourselves for a whole lifetime. So the soul plan is really here to help you to reconnect with your essence and who you are as a soul. And what's amazing is that, you know, I've done, I don't know, like probably a thousand by now of these readings and people will always, well, not always, but most of the time will say, this is amazing because it really helps me remember who I am. And I've known myself to be that in my essence, but somehow along the way, I kind of lost my course. Yeah. So can I, can I ask plan- you one yeah. thing about this? Uh, have you seen like, because I've heard that we usually go through similar lessons each lifetime. Do you see mm-hmm. that a lot with people that they have some kind of karmic thing that they bring with them from a past life? And then we tend to kind of spin the wheel. And I mean, if we don't learn the lesson from a past, for example, a relationship, then we kind of continue to bring it in to the next relationship and so on. Do you see that a lot with clients? I think we all do that. Yeah. I think um, (laughs) the way I look at also past lives, I also see them. I have my own vision of, you know, reality. And I think we all do. But I, I believe that all of these realities are unfolding simultaneously. We just kind of define them as past and future and present. But everything is happening at the same time. I don't know if, have you seen a film called Interstellar? Yes. With Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. So when he's in the library, that's how I see, yeah. you know, what's going on. I really recommend that movie to anyone, yeah. which is why I'm mentioning it here because it really supports at least, you know, my vision of, of, of the structure of reality. So um, to answer your question about past lives, I believe that they're just kind of like different lessons that, take a di- in a different context so for instance if you're here to learn about one thing that I work a lot with as an example is the witch wound so it is medicine people not necessarily you know complete um, as you know you would expect for instance medicine men to be just indigenous uh, from you know North America or South America like we also have a super strong indigene here in Europe for instance so 
people who have strong healing abilities and who've been persecuted for that because that would overturn a system that doesn't benefit from their gifts and their sight, they will have the same experiences of persecution, of oppression, et cetera, et cetera, which I know is a big topic right now. But I feel that very much with all the healers of the world. So for instance, somebody who is a very strong medicine woman or wise woman, even midwives were persecuted, you know, in past lives, they will still have that program running in their cellular structure that is going to try to keep them safe and alive because ultimately it could result in being burnt at the stake. So they will have a really hard time stepping into their healing gifts and showing themselves to the world as such. And then having, you know, the backlash of whatever the persecution looks like in, you know, in the 21st century. So that's my vision of, you know, past life and how we resolve them. And for sure, whenever we don't resolve something, it's going to come back yeah. all the time until we resolve it. Yeah. I really kind of felt that how, how you said with like any, any light workers, I mean, you can be a light worker and just be a stay at home mom. And you can also do it through almost anything I believe where you work with people but I I yeah. felt like for many many years I was I was very unconsciously dimming my light so I wouldn't I mean it's this interesting path of uh, I kind of had to learn to really just embrace who I am and I still do it like it's a ongoing process every day but I'm like yeah. more aware of it now and I yeah I just felt it when you said that yeah I can't remember anymore, but <laughs> it was beautiful put. Yeah. And I think also, you know, what you say is very true. The whole thing about we can be here to be light workers or however people want to label it, shamans, you know, witches, paradigm shifters. I'm still trying to find a word and I don't really know how to, how to label it, but there are people who are here to bring like a higher level of consciousness. It's not anyone is better or worse. It's just, you know, you've chosen to come here to do this. I've chosen to come here to do this. And someone might come here to, to, to bring something completely different. But when we have chosen to come here to bring healing to the earth plane or a higher conscious, through a higher consciousness, it can take any form. You can be a filmmaker, you can be a cook, you can be, you know, an artist. I mean, healing can be transmitted just by being who we are and that can be as simple as that and that's one of the realizations that i've had we're making it so complicated because often we use spirituality also as a distraction right but it is by being the example and by being who we are that we emanate this yeah. healing i think that's also like maybe the hardest um practice for me is to constant come back to the knowing that I, I don't have to do anything because we live in a society where we constantly were told that you have to be productive, you have to create things, you have to be super successful. And your the success is kind of equals how much you've created and how productive you are and so on. So yeah, yeah. it's an interesting, it's an interesting process indeed. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And I think there is also something about that that is happening and unfolding in people who who have done a lot of work on themselves. And as we are st like, everything is speeding up so much right now. I experience exactly also what you're saying is that 
we're shifting our whole way of existing in the world. And sometimes we can grasp things by through our being that that it takes a while before it follows, especially collectively. And I, I would really encourage anyone who feels, you know, this that they're holding and anchoring an energy and a frequency to really appreciate that that actually is a lot to do because you hold it through your body and your body is ready to hold it because of all the work you've done previously. And, and it's something, yeah, you know, our culture really needs to shift around that. And that's what's going on in the world. Also, we're shifting from the very patriarchal system and patriarchy. I really see it as systemic, not at all gender-based. It's not like, Oh, men created patriarchy to oppress women. That's not, no, it's a system that went against the ancient ways and the ways that really honor the human soul and the human being. That's how I see it. And there is a return now of the ways that are supportive of the human in its essence and its beauty and who we've come here to be. And that's, you know, more feminine-ish kind of energy. It's more nurturing, more unconditional love, closer to the earth, which is also why a lot of people are called to be closer to nature now, because nature and earth are natural healers. So it's really important to also not undermine just being how important it is. Presence is super healing. Yeah. It's like just being present is, has also a lot to do with holding space and just being yeah. other. So I believe if we can step into that place of just being, we're holding space for the whole planet to go through what it is going through at the moment. Yeah. It's a very transformational time we live in. Yeah. Um, but are, is, is your book going to be about this, what you're speaking about right now? Do you want to tell us a little bit more? Maybe. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, just to finish on the soul plan, yes. that's, you know, that's, that's basically the modality and it supports people to remember who they are and to transition into, and all the other kind of sessions that I do are also very much based on helping you to see aspects of yourself that you can't see there is a reason why you know they're still in your subconscious or in our subconscious um so i would say like you know i just read people really easily and one of the things that um is also behind that and that's tied to the book is that um we believe as humans when we're kind of like initiated into the the human realm coming here on earth into you know like kind of a regular uh, modern western world family that the only thing that exists is what we can see smell taste and feel however <laughs> or touch not feel because actually i'm going to go back to feel um there's a whole unseen world that we're connected to all the time we're part of a weave we're part of a web and um, we're connected to the animal kingdom, to the plant kingdom. We're connected to Mother Earth. We're connected to Father Sky. We're connected to the sun. We're connected to way more. And that also goes back to the multidimensional aspect of who we are that I mentioned earlier, is we are also connected to other beings who exist on other planes that we just can't sort of see and touch in the way we do with something that is dense and in matter. It's all a matter of energy and density. So we're here on the earth plane, it's dense, we can see, we can touch, we can, you know, like work with it. And then as um, energetically something becomes lighter, the less we can grasp it or touch it. 
which doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. If you think about Wi-Fi and the fact that we're having this whole Zoom mm. conversation mm. and <laughs> that will be spread out, like no one can touch it, but it's very real and it's there. It's the same with spirit, but for some reason, you know, there are a lot of things that I think has have come in the way of making people, you know, kind of cynical or doubt because they can't have the proof. But the thing is with the spirit world, which is the whole, the whole book is based, it's called Be Wild, Be Free, Essential Spirit Guides. And it has that title because it's part of a, of a series of six books that are based um, on spirituality. So the five other ones are from, you know, numerology to Ayurveda to auras and stuff like that. And I was asked to write about spirit guides. And for me, the most important thing about this book is to really make a point that we are way more powerful than we think and we have way more support than we think. We kind of like limit our support system and support web to humans. Mm. And we rely so much on external validation and validation from other humans, but that's tainted. It's tainted by the other's human experience, which is fine because you have your filters. I have my filters. Everybody has, you know, their filters. But when we start working with spirits, it's a different energy and it's much cleaner because they don't have a human vested interest in tainting whatever their message or their support is. But it's like all relationships, we have to work on them to be able to have them. Right. You can't become best friends with anyone and never see them, you know? So the book is a lot about who are the spirit guides, what type of spirit guides are there, where, you know, like, where do they come from? How do we relate to them? How do we connect with them? And how do we include them in our lives? That's really beautiful. Um, I'm actually starting to get more or kind of getting back to having that conversation to my guides again. I, for some reason, I was just like working too hard and kind of just forgot about it. Sounds yeah. really, <laughs> just being, you know, human, yeah, yeah. And having things going on in life. So now when I'm, um, I find it much easier now that I'm in nature all the time. It's like, yeah, they yeah. got, they got my back. And, uh, I also remember the first time I was in a really dark place around when I was 18. Um, that was when I actually turned to this more angelic realm back then. Yeah. Um, but if you would, for someone who's really struggling and someone who's going through a rut, how could they nurture their relationship with their guides? Do you have like any, so to say, hacks or specific <laughs> tool? I mean, yeah. we can do it in different ways, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, I think it's a very individual process and it's an experiential process. I think, you know, working with guides and spirit in general is something that we need we can read all the books in the world and we can have all the, you know, like teachers in the world, but for as long as we don't experience it, it still stays in the realm of ideas. And, you know, then it's, it's not as supportive of us as when we've experienced it. That being said, um, there's also in the book, there are a lot of practical examples and those are also things that I'm going to have to wait for the book to come out because it's also, you know, through that, you know, my, my relationship with the publisher is, you know, very clear on the fact that 
the book will tell. Uh, <laughs> but you know, clearly, um, there are a lot of things that you know people people can do to connect with with their spirit guides. And I think one of the things to do really is to feel into what do you feel naturally drawn towards. So if it's you know oracle cards, angels, um, nature elements, uh, power animals, all of these kind of the, you know, or just being with trees, you know, plants, there's so many ways to connect with different spirits and choosing one that you resonate with doesn't mean that you're going to have to be with it forever and you can't change. Like, you know, there is like, there will always be this kind of, um, the support system that might be led by a specific spirit guide that can be an ancestor or it could be, there are so many different avenues, but they will present themselves. I'll give an example of, you know, the first time I encountered a spirit guide and I was, it was actually, I had just moved to Finland in 2000. I grew up in France. I'm Finnish originally, grew up in France. And then I came to Finland to, um, to finish my, um, I did a, a master's degree there. And then I wandered into uh, a bookshop and in the bookshop, it was, uh, I don't know if it exists still, Terra Nova or yeah, something. Yeah, it's, so, yeah. <laughs> it's like this, this kind of like new agey type of bookshop. And um, when I walked into it, I started like, you know, it was really not my scene at all. I was like, I don't even know why I'm here, but hey, why not? Um, and then I was standing in a corner and then I felt this kind of like breeze and like almost like somebody walked through me. It was like the weirdest feeling ever. And I was looking around and the doors were closed and there was no window. I was like, what, like, how is this even possible? And it was like, I super clearly came to me that it was my father's father who died before I was born. So I'd never met him. And that was like one of my, I mean, it took me like a couple of days to get over the whole thing. I was like, what was that? And we need these kind of like experiences to understand that it is as real as the conversation that you and I are having. But the way the spirit world works is that you will be asked to take the leap of faith before you get the confirmation of what it is that you want to be proven. They're like, no, no, we're not going to tell you and show you everything so that then you can be like, okay, I believe this. It's going to be the other way around. It's like, first you have to take the leap then you get the confirmation. So I would say that also, you know, if someone is really struggling and I think, you know, it is the nature of the times also, we are all questioning everything that we've ever known in a way because we understand that this is not working. So I would really follow, I know it sounds super cliche, but I would follow my heart and, and start, you know, looking into either, um, you know, uh, whether it's Instagram accounts, but really follow what feels right. Because in spirituality, unfortunately, like everywhere else, there are also a lot of people who, who sell you, you know, who sell you a, a kind of an escape as much as you could use, you know, drugs or alcohol because you get high on spirituality. So it's really important to be super discerning when we turn towards spirituality and be like, okay, how do I really feel? And the whole thing about like the way of the heart or the way of spirituality is to tune into how do I feel? Our bodies have an innate and an immense wisdom that will guide us. So turning towards who do I feel drawn to? 
what type of, you know, nature is also super good, as you're saying, to, to feel into these things, because it has this natural ability to neutralize everything that's going on in our head and around us and all of this. So calm and sitting in stillness also helps us to sort of see clearer in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I really resonate with how you said that it's easy to kind of get lost out there. Uh, it's something that I personally struggle with a lot. And I, I think it's also a reason why I came to work with embodiment. Because every time I really drop an anchor into my like physical body, that's when I can really feel the true connection. And for in my, like, again, when I was younger, I... I really struggle with that because I have a really strong imagination, which yeah. is also a strong, like it's, it's great. But um, again, it's, it's almost like I have this, it's too much. It gets saturated sometimes yeah. with, I don't even know what is reality and what's the imagination anymore. So yeah, I really resonate with how you say that the body knows, the physical body knows you can feel Mm. yeah there is actually a, a a term that is used that I also discovered during the time when I was like really flying pretty high with the galactics and all of that it's embodied imagination so it's it's kind of like we make our our wishful thinking and our escapism real but then it's like you know okay we also need to use our imagination to create our reality. You know, all the laws of attraction and all of this, it's all about like visualize. What's the difference between visualizing something and your imagination, you know? So it's all these super fine lines. Everything becomes more and more subtle. That's what I've realized on, you know, my own journey is that everything becomes more and more subtle and we need to look deeper and deeper with more and more discernment. And also as we know ourselves better, then we can see things more clearly, which is why I think it's really important to do, you know, the not so glamorous part of, you know, the spiritual journey, which is shadow work. Mm -hmm. It's become, it's kind of like gained a bit of momentum now and people speak about it more and stuff, but shadow work is essentially a modality or um, avenue that helps us understand our own shadow. And our shadow is like the, the aspects that we don't like about ourselves and in others, but usually when we get really irritated by someone else, it's because they're showing us what's within us. <laughs> That's why we get so triggered. So when we start understanding our shadow, we stop playing out also um, subconscious mechanisms that are our protection mechanisms. Our mind creates all these wonderful ways of keeping us safe in our childhood because it all starts in childhood. I know it sounds also super cliche, but that's just how it is. It is quite simple actually. So the way we protected ourselves through our protection mechanisms. So an example is somebody grew up in a very chaotic family. They become super uh, rigid and a bit OCD. You know, they want to control everything because that's how they kept themselves safe, which is great when you're in that situation. But then when you're, you know, in your adult years and you become so anal that it damages your relationships because you can't stand anything that is not super controlled in someone else, it becomes a problem. So shadow work really helps us understand also what is running the show that we're not aware of. And the what, there's a reason why it's subconscious. 
things that are subconscious are subconscious because they're too painful to understand and to face. So shadow works helps us to drag out basically the demons and look at them and not throw them away at all. It's really witnessing them and understand that they are the ones that are running the show and we accept them and we integrate them. And then we can approach relationships, life situations in a completely different way because they can't blindside us anymore. So going deep into the process is also really, really important. And Jung said, uh, Carl Jung said, you know, like the deeper you go into the roots, the higher you can go out into the branches, into the stars. So a lot of people who relate, you know, to the whole starseed, galactic sort of realm, it's very real, I believe, that, you know, you, you really have that connection but you need the roots to hold you in that. Otherwise you're like a tree that has enormous branches, but no roots. I mean, it it can't stand, you know? And the reason why you have a body is because you're here to bring that starlight through your physical expression. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And shadow work is such a, I mean, it's a complex thing and and people think of different things when we hear the word shadow work. but I feel like for many, it's, it's, they get a little bit like afraid of, especially with quote unquote spiritual people. <laughs> they don't want to go into like the negative feelings or, you know, they don't want to dwell in it. I met a person who didn't want to talk about COVID-19 with me because he strongly believed that it will attract it into his life and I I think it's easy to get like it's there's a fine line I mean if you just if you're constantly thinking negative thoughts without being aware of it yeah it's maybe not the greatest thing for you but for me um I've had the biggest moments of healing when I actually can look and have a conversation with that shadow part of me Mm. that kind of is a control freak sometimes or is jealous or hates on her body or I mean there's so much as you said the deeper we go into the shadow the further into the light we can also travel yeah absolutely and I think that's a really important point that you made that the whole love and light thing is great because I believe that ultimately that's where where we all come from and we all exist and (laughs) (laughs) It's also a very, um, it's also a very uh, convenient way of avoiding pain. And, you know, as you said, we don't need to wallow in the pain. We don't need to sort of like exist and live there, but we need to acknowledge it and recognize it. I believe very much that, you know, it is in the darkness that we retrieve the light. And it's interesting because we've vilified darkness you know we've made it you know the place where the demons are and you know like the deception and betrayal and all of that however when you think about it you know like when you look at the cosmos you know like or when you look at where does a seed grow where do we spend nine the first nine months of our existence we're all in darkness and the void is darkness and that's the space of all creation and that's also a vilification of the deep feminine, the ancient ways, because that's where we are not controlled by the whole patriarchal system that emphasizes other ways. So 
I've had a whole kind of thing around, you know, my understanding about darkness and actually darkness is an ally. I mean, it doesn't mean that we need to like, there is darkness and darkness, you know, like, but the way we relate to darkness is something to think about and maybe like change it and see it as an ally, you know, in the shamanic kind of culture, we talk about three worlds, which is the underworld, the middle world, and the upper world. The underworld is the realm of the shadows of ancestors and, you know, and like the deep transformation. And there are a lot of, you know, goddesses and, and uh, beings who exist in the underworld who are here actually as our greatest allies to transform and retrieve the light. So you would have like Inanna, for instance, the Marian goddess, or if you look at, you know, animals, all the animal spirits that are black and dark, you know, whether it's the ravens or the bats, they're all about rebirth and transformation and all of that kind of stuff. And we, with our resistance to pain, we resist our awakening in a way. So it's what I was saying also earlier, the more we resist, the more painful it is. It's like resistance is futile, especially if you're called on a spiritual path, forget it. Like the more you're going to resist, the more you're going to suffer. So the more consciously you can approach it, the more, I think the greatest medicine of all is know thyself. The better you know yourself, the easier it's going to be in a way, even if it's not always pleasant along the way, but it's also cyclical. And that's what, you know, we're also learning with the, the ancient feminine ways that are coming back. It's like our life is cyclical. It's not always, you know, fun and games and it's not always, you know, despair and dread. We're going through cycles. It's like the seasons, the weather, all of it. It's beautiful. It's really beautiful. And um, I've heard just to touch upon the shadow again. um, I can't remember who said it, but someone put it in a beautiful way that the shadow part of you is the part of you that takes on what you cannot bear. So there is a lot of love also in the shadow. Yeah. This is yeah. Like a, wow. Beautiful. That's very beautiful. That. I never heard that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Especially like as children, we don't always have tools to, I mean, process things. And Absolutely. yeah. Yeah. What else? I have like lists of questions for you, but I, I think how this dialogue just took its form. Um, um, to, if we look at, um, again, people's spiritual journeys and and their their imagination and intuition how how could how could one because i think for many it's hard to trust their intuition in many in many in many circumstances but in these times i feel like also many of my I really hate to quote people as spiritual people because everyone, I mean, everyone is spiritual. Yeah. You want to evolve, you are spiritual. Um, but in these times when, when we really, we're forced to stop, we're forced to look at things that are kind of hard. And I mean, there's just more and more that keeps on coming up in the whole world. Yeah. Um, 
and it's really hard for sensitive people. How could we stay more? I mean, it's hard to, I know that it's hard to say like, do this and you will find peace. But do you have any, any tips on just staying more connected and anchored, anchored in ourselves and not getting carried away by emotions and media during these times? Because even I, like I, I sometimes drown in just emotions after scrolling through Instagram and so on. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I really relate to that. And I think, you know, it's, um, eh, social media is such a, a double-edged sword, like everything, you know, like wherever we have great sort of, um, wherever our greatest kind of talent lies or, you know, it's also our greatest Achilles heel. So everything is like double-edged sword. But I would say about what's going on right now and the sensitives, um, nature is always like number one. And I think that's also why, as you know, as I said a bit earlier, like people who are natural sensitives or, you know, like whatever we want to call the paradigm shifters, the healers, the everything, um, are drawn to, to the natural world because they know that that's where they can find solace in a way. And a, fr- a very good friend of mine said to me once, you know, to me, nature is truth. And we were standing on, you know, on his land in Vermont and I was like, Yep, that makes sense. (laughs) Because it's like, you know, there is no agenda in nature. And it's fascinating to observe the cycles of nature and how nature is self-sustainable. You know, there's always abundance in nature. And when there is an imbalance, nature takes care of it, you know. So in a way, I think, you know, being in a space of of great honesty and, and truthfulness with nature is number one. Uh, and also it supports our energy field. It really helps us rebuild our, our energy field, supports our nervous system. Um, and then, you know, when we start becoming a bit more aware, we start also reading nature. Nature speaks all the time, you know. For me, for instance, it manifests a lot with animals. There are certain animals that will show themselves consistently and I've journeyed with them. And I know that when they start showing up, something is coming, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and start paying attention to also like, you know, what kind of trees are around you, what kind of, you know, environment, what elements do you feel drawn to? So for instance, um, water and earth are two feminine elements. So if we need nurturing, it's probably better to go towards water and earth rather than fire and air. Fire and air are more masculine and they're kind of like more suitable for purification, for kind of transformation and all that kind of stuff. Working with fire, for instance, is super powerful when we're going to transform something and let it like release it into spirit. Um, and when we need more fire within us to, you know, take action, etc., cetera, et cetera. Um, and air is related to the mind, to the celestial realm. So when we want to connect with that, you know, it's, it's amazing. But if we need to go more in and be more nurtured, which I think a lot of people feel right now, rather than, you know, um, kind of like explosive type of energy, which I think is important to address as well. I think, you know, it's interesting because I did a story on fire yesterday on Instagram because I realized something about myself. 
and uh, our relationship to fire, how distorted it is, especially as women also, like if we're fiery women, we're, you know, we're hysterical or we're, you know, emotionally unstable, but that's the nature of women. We work with emotions, we work with, you know, what's going on in our bodies and that has been undermined and vilified and, you know, pathologized, you know, left, right and center. But um, that's also where our innate wisdom lies. So nature and then that kind of takes me to another place to you know what to do if we're sensitive go into our bodies we really need to be in our bodies because if our energy field if our soul basically is standing next to our body then it's it's not a good place to be especially when there is a lot of unrest in the world we really need to be super grounded and by grounded, I mean, is like connected to our body and connected to the earth. So for that, you know, like yoga, dance, you know, any kind of ecstatic dance, five rhythms, movement in general, nothing too sort of complicated where, or anything that is related to, you know, I'm going to do this movement or this exercise because I want to look better or feel better, like uh, in terms of, you know, physical appearance. Yeah. No, it really is about moving energy. Paying attention to what you eat as always, you know, like I would kind of like watch the caffeine intake because the thing is with anyone who's like a highly sensitive person who's here to do, you know, light work, whatever you want to call it. One of the initiations into that is that we choose a certain level of trauma. We all have trauma in our life. It's the human condition. Like we all experience that. But we learn to become as sensitive as we are because we go through a trauma that is going to inform us, is going to teach us to understand what's going to happen before it happens. So we can read people, we can read situations, we can read environments. It teaches us to learn to speak energy, basically. So our nervous systems, by default, will be quite shaky. Mm-hmm. So anything that supports the nervous system is also really, really important. So it can be breath work, as I said, really watching what we eat and what we what we ingest in general. And that's from food to media to the company that we keep uh, and really start becoming very mindful of who do we feel drained around and who do we feel energized around? Because our barometer is super efficient and learning to start trusting that the more we betray ourselves, the less we trust ourselves. To go back to what you were saying, like a lot of people find it difficult to trust their intuition. The more we betray ourselves, the more we don't listen to what we know to be true, the less we're going to trust our intuition. So it really is like a daily kind of work in progress, trusting ourselves over and over and over. And it's like every day is so different. Like I have days when I when I think that I'm like okay this is it this is like I'm I'm anchored I'm connected and then the next day I don't know someone cuts <laughs> me off in traffic and I'm like <laughs> yeah, yeah. angry again uh, but yeah really like caffeine is a big thing for me and I knew that I had this interview with you or talk with you today and that I probably shouldn't have coffee but we had these really nice beans and like now I'm here with sweaty palms and (laughs) 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 I seem to never really learn (laughs) yeah but it's like the beauty of being human I guess yeah and there's something around that you know um I've observed that a lot because I see it in myself as well and I think you know when when our kind of 
base blueprint is used to being in, in an adrenalized state. When we're not, we don't know what to do with it anymore. Right. Especially if we had a tendency to go into darkness and depression, we're like, oh my God, if I'm not high on adrenaline, then I'm going to go into the depression and nothing is going to happen anymore and my life is over. I mean, that's kind of like, you know, it sounds like a huge kind of thing, but that's what's going on quite often in our system, you know? So it's something about, you know, really befriending also boredom, the void, you know, accepting that, you know, we might not be productive. And it's so hard because we live in a society that is telling us you need to be productive to be someone and to survive and to be accepted by your tribe, basically. We actually had a really interesting conversation with my partner a few months ago when when he started to get gigs again. He's a photographer and videographer and I I stayed here in our summer summer house and he came back and he was like have you have you done anything and i'm like uh, well i did i meditated in the morning and uh, walked and did some journaling and like i felt like i had had a really productive really productive day because i i see myself more as the end product in a way and he was like oh so you have done nothing and i'm like but <laughs> I have done a lot. You have done nothing. <laughs> so it's like interesting. I mean, again, different people have different, um, they see product productivity as uh, different things. So it was just like a really fun, I, we could laugh about it in the end, but I got really upset with him because he thought that I, I had just sat and walked in the forest and I had done nothing with my life. And I'm like, dude, I'm like working on myself here. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's also like the beauty of being in a relationship. It's, it's intense, very intense sometimes, but I really appreciate it also. <laughs> many- I think relationships are, are a massive, you know, I think we can learn through many different avenues, whatever it is that we choose. Relationships will bring up our core shit it just does you know because we are you know in a relationship to someone who hopefully we really like (laughs) some people choose otherwise but um i mean jokes aside relationship is an incredible ground for growth because if we can do that in a conscious way where you know we can address things from a place of knowing what really triggers us we can also rewrite it you know because it all is tapping into all our childhood stuff, basically. We're kind of just like children (laughs) relating to each other in an adult body, you know? So yeah, yeah, I believe in in the great power of, of, you know, transformation through relationship as well. And conscious relationship, I think, is beautiful. It's super hard. It's really, really hard because we have to face things that we don't need to that are really, really deep core stuff when we're not in relationship then, you know, and I think there are also moments where, you know, it's good not to be, I mean, I've experienced both and I think it's, you know, there's a time for everything and we all have different journeys. Also, some people are meant to journey with someone their whole life and some people with different people and some people to be, you know, celibate for a while. I mean, I think that's very true for the whole spiritual path, you know, like, that's why I'm always a little kind of mm, when somebody has all the answers, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, there are as many awakening paths as there are incarnations. So I also believe very much that, you know, the age of the guru is is dead. It really is. And that's something that really hits me. I think it was not 
uh, last Christmas, must the Christmas before, when John of God, who is a, a spiritual healer, a Brazilian spiritual healer, was arrested. Yeah. Uh, because of wow. very dark stuff. <laughs> I have that. Um, yeah. And um, I didn't and even I know this. Like, yeah, he got arrested because of, uh, you know of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he got arrested because of, you know, uh, of, uh, you know, sexual abuse. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of really dark stuff. There's a lot of these like gurus also in the yoga world. It's like coming up now, which is. Yeah. 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 It's, It's fascinating because, you know, these people are, you know, they have amazing teachings and have amazing healing abilities. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But then there's like that one side of them that is really like compromised and it often has to do with anything that is related to power so sexuality manipulation i mean you know there are a lot of spiritual teachers that are kind of like in the red and tantric world and other teachers as well but uh but anyway what i wanted to say around all this is that we kind of we need more and more to go in towards ourselves because that's where the teachings are. We had, I know it sounds again, super cliche, but it's all within us. Yeah. And when we cleanse house, that's when we start accessing that. Wow. And it all becomes more and more simple. And at the same time, more and more complicated, you know, it's, you know, it, it really is fascinating. It's like when you go in nature and you see a beautiful flower, you're like, this is super simple, but it's also so intricate. Like, how is this, like, how was this created? It's incredible. Yeah, you know, I, and I, that's also what I think. You know, the the new, like the new way of 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 sh- of teaching is not it's by embodying and being the example, and that's true for all the sensitives, all the people who are here to bring any kind of you know healing to the world. Is the best way to do it is be the example, you know, be the example of what you want to see in the world, and it's you know a sentence that been that's been used and used and used, but it's so true. And so I don't believe that, you know, anyone can do this actually. And anyone who shows up in, I think integrity is like the most important part in all of this nowadays, because when we show up in integrity and we come with the right intentions, we can offer a great deal of transformation and healing just by sharing our experience by, you know, you offering this podcast or what you're offering on your Instagram account or, and that's something that people can feel. And I would really encourage people to feel more and more into who are they they following or who are they getting inspired by? Because we all know, we all know when somebody is compromised, we all know when somebody comes from the right place and it's just training, you know, it's just keep on like feeling into stuff. And the beauty of it is like, there's going to be more and more people who can support. I believe there's a massive awakening that is going on and it's, this is only the beginning. (laughs) Whatever is coming next, I don't know. But I know that we're really in a spiritual revolution. That's what's going on right now. And the spiritual revolution is not going to look like all the other revolutions that we've seen. And maybe there will be more people than there probably will be. But the revolution that we're going through is an internal process. And sometimes that's not as glamorous and as sensational as we would like it to be. But 
the best thing we can do is to work on ourselves. And that's how we'll create the change that we'll get in this world. That's really what I believe in. Mm. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's really important for everyone to hear that, especially if, if people are like me, they tend to kind of search for answers outside of them, which is like, it's good to learn. It's good to read books, but it, to a certain amount still. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have one more question for you. Um, what does self-worth mean to you? Huh, we need an hour or two for that. <laughs> um, it's, it's been a massive theme for me this year. Um, or 2019 was all about reclaiming my self-worth. And, and I think it's interesting because I'm going on 43. Um, I'm turning 43 next month. And it's taken me all this time <laughs> to get to a place where I really feel that I value myself like authentically. It's not like, oh, yes, I like myself and superficial self-love. It, I really feel it, you know, like... So I think self-worth is, um, first of all, being willing to meet ourselves. We can't, I don't believe that we're able to have self-worth if we still reject aspects of ourselves. So for as long as we're trying to, you know, kind of um, put the shadow aside. And for me, it's been a lot around, you know, the, the kind of um, the archetype of the good girl and letting that one go. It doesn't mean like now I'm like, you know, kind of like mega bitch and telling everybody what I think just because I can. Um, I think that's not the way to go either. But self-worth is also how honest we are with ourselves and how we stop betraying ourselves by saying yes mm. and yes and yes and yes. And that's, you know, from you know, a family member, a friend, a partner, and, you know, just saying yes to something that we really don't want to do. Sometimes obviously we need to compromise. I'm not saying like we need to say no to everything from now on because we want to reclaim our self-worth. But there is really something about listening to ourselves and honoring ourselves because the more we do that, the more we're going to reclaim our self-worth. You know, we're going to show up for ourselves by... I don't know. And, and that requires discipline also. I think I've had a huge resistance to discipline. I still do to a certain extent because of my own relationship to authority, etc. But when I've showed, showed up for myself and done something that I resisted a little bit, like say breath work or, you know, movement or something that I knew would benefit me ultimately. And I've done that. It's always like every time we go the extra mile for ourselves, we increase our self-worth. And for me, it's also been a lot related to the body. And I think a lot of women re will resonate with that. I had so much focus on basically my outwards, my looks, basically, whether it was, you know, my body weight. Um, I mean, I had a whole journey with an eating disorder, etc. So I'm like, I'm pretty good with <laughs> relating to my body now. And I can honestly say again at my, like the age that I'm now, I looked at myself for the first time in the mirror a few months ago. And I was like, I literally love myself. You know, it sounds super corny, but I was like, I, you know, everything you've been through speaking to myself, I was like, you've made it, you know? And I think that's the thing. We don't give ourselves enough credit. I certainly haven't. And I've kind of like, pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And like, 
of course I've accomplished this and of course I've accomplished this. I'm like, no, not of course. And I, it's, it's actually, it's, it's also been based on a few people saying that to me. It's like, Catherine, like, you don't understand what you've overcome. You need to really sit with this. And sometimes it's painful because it means that we have inflicted so much pain to ourselves that we need to take a moment to forgive ourselves. And that has been a big part of my process in self-worth as well, is forgiving myself for everything that I've put myself through. And because then I would acknowledge myself and I would really connect with my own being because I also know myself better now, I can express to the world or people that I relate to my needs, for instance. And every time I express my need and it's respected and heard, it increases my self-worth because it's based on what I need. Every single time I make a decision based on my own needs, it will increase my self-worth. And also just like doing things that bring us joy, you know, I think at least on the spiritual path, there's, you know, there's a whole bunch of like growth, 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 you know, just like go one layer after the other. But it's so important to also have space for joy and, you know, have these like playful moments, you know, like whether it's with your children, your friends, doing something that you really, really enjoy. And there's something around like connecting with play and the innocence of our own child, you know, and really kind of honoring that because that's where a lot of the distortions are in terms of self-worth. And again, like learning where we can get trapped in, you know, these self-deprecating dialogues and learn how to stop them in their tracks and be like, no, I'm not going to do this to myself. So it's also like in every little moment, you know, in everyday life. And then we can do bigger things like, you know, I always dreamt of going to, I don't know, Bolivia. How can I do that for me? You know, and it might not be tomorrow or next week, or I mean, who knows anyway, these days, but, you know, doing things for honoring ourselves and really like feel it. I am honoring me because I have made it this far and I'm not taking myself for granted anymore. So that's kind of like my <laughs> take on self-worth. Wow. wow. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that again. Um, I, I had like comments coming in, but they're all <laughs> gone now. But <laughs> that, well, that's always what happens with me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> up and listen. <laughs> but yeah, fully with the, like with the playfulness, I found recently that healing doesn't always have to be so damn hard. It can be fun yeah. also. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share before we start to wrap this, wrap this up? Um, I would really sort of, yeah, I think it has a lot to do with self-worth. You know, it was a very good question because the more we start valuing ourselves, the less we'll bring conflict into the world because we know what our needs are. And usually conflict arises from a source of frustration, you know, because we feel that somehow we're not being met in our needs or in our, in our worth. And I think the most important work we can do is to, to learn to know ourselves and 
And I can't like, you know, I can't emphasize that enough and um, that there are no quick fixes. You know, I wish there was a magic wand and sometimes, you know, not so much anymore, but I used to have clients who would connect and, you know, they would expect me to be the solution to their problem, but I'm not, you know, we are all the solution to our own problems in a way, you know, and we start learning by addressing ourselves and facing ourselves how to increase our worth and how to tap into this like well of wisdom that exists within us. And that's really my passion in life is to connect people with that. And I've had an interesting journey also with what I do because, you know, my journey and my work are so close to each other. And sometimes, and I think it's a very kind of like healer kind of thing. It's like, well, you know, how can you charge for this? And I don't have a problem with that anymore because it's an exchange of energy. And I know that if I offer sessions for free, I'm like gone. <laughs> I have no more energy left. And it's, you know, it's not possible. Like there needs to be a right relationship in everything. And I've also sat with this. It's like, you know, this is my service. This is what I've come here to do. And I feel really, really passionate about that. And I also want to help people to retrieve their medicine. That's part of what I do is like, Everyone who's come here with a spiritual path or on a healing journey has come here to offer some kind of medicine to the world. And when we connect with that, something magical happens. Magic is not something that just exists in movies or in books, you know, like magic exists in everyday life. When we're connected with our soul and we walk and embody our soul purpose, it's magic. It, it's, it's magical, you know, because everything starts aligning. We meet the right people. We end up at the right places. Everything just works, you know, and life is telling us all the time, you're going in the right direction. You might want to change directions, you know, like when things don't work out, start noticing, you know, when things are easy and smooth, notice. And that's the thing that I really want to encourage everyone is to start really sort of being curious about, you know, who they are beyond their conditioning, because we are so much more than that, you know, and that's what an awakening is all about. Like when we start hitting the conditioning and we're like, oh my God, I don't know who I am anymore. Right. Then something amazing is happening. And that's what's happening in the world. The world is like, what is this? You know, like we don't want to live like this anymore. So where are we going? So that's really one of the things that I really want to encourage people to do is to get curious about who they are and starting to know themselves because that's where it all is. Yeah. You know? I mean, in the end, we, or you are your own, like the best teacher. Exactly. And your own guru and whatnot. But it's so easy to just get, again, lost in books or teachers or gurus. Yeah but to constantly just remind yourself to come back to yourself. But it's a practice again. Absolutely, yeah. 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 Uh, I, could, I could listen to you forever. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and uh, again, like I wish we had much, much more time. Yeah. Um, what's the best way to connect with you if someone wants to come in for a one-on-one or you have upcoming retreats also, I think? Well, the retreat situation got a little compromised, but actually what's interesting is that um, the next one that I have coming up is in November. So that's a retreat in Glastonbury. Um, And for anyone who 
needs to connect to powerful earth energy that really kind of shifts all the stuff around the witch wound and you know like our healing abilities and our connection to the feminine that's amazing land like the land is fantastic and usually it's a really amazing group of people um there's always you know i believe very much in in group energy also like we all end up in groups because we need to be there so uh so to find more more about all these things you can go to my website and my website is akasha-awakening.com so aka sha-awakening.com and that's all the info that people need um and then i can be found on instagram at akasha underscore awakening so you can connect me with me there i put a lot of content there in terms of videos and you know energy updates and just stuff around awakening and um so those are the two main sources. And then I have my book that is coming out on uh, in August 2020. It's called Be Wild, Be Free, Essential Spirit Guides. And it's uh, published by Random House. Um, and yeah, those are kind of like the main avenues. And there's a lot in the works. But, you know, because of the situation yeah. that we're in, we're kind of like, do we do things online? Do we do things, you know, like in person? Do we plan them for later? So the best thing is also just like to sign up to my newsletter. If you go on my website on, under contacts, um, then you'll receive all the updates. That's great. I'll put some links in the Thank description you. of this episode so people can find you and... Uh, make sure to get the book once it's out. Can we pre-order it already or? I'm not sure. No. I don't think so, no. But it will be available on Amazon and all the big kind of channels. Yeah. So that's cool. That's amazing. Mm. Thank you. Thank you so, so much for, for being here and for sharing your wisdom. I'm so grateful. You're such an inspiration. And I'm like forever grateful that I found you in like the right time. <laughs> So uh, thanks for having me. It's been a lovely discussion. Thanks for the platform that you offer. It's really great. Yeah. And for all your for all, all you listeners, um make sure to go and subscribe to our podcast. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, and other platforms. Also, if you have any any questions or messages, you can message voice message us on Anchor or through Instagram on Self Worth Circle. But yes, see you soon on the next episode. Bye. Bye.